Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Muckoff, who have just launched Punk Powder, their first ever plastic-free bike cleaner. There's a discount code for you coming right up. Punk Powder cuts down on packaging by 92% compared to the regular cleaner. It comes in small sachets that you add to lukewarm water to make one litre of it, and the cleaner itself is readily biodegradable and made from plant-based ingredients. It also means that we're not shipping water unnecessarily around the planet. You can head over to muckoff.com and grab yourself a nice aluminium bottle for life, which is perfect to mix and store the cleaner in. That comes with some compostable punk powder sachets, which then come in a handy recycled cardboard sleeve that you can fold into a funnel to help you pour the powder into the bottle. The packaging is also printed with vegetable-based inks. I've tried it. It's super easy to mix. It's ready to go in seconds and it works just the same as the already awesome Muckoff Nanotech bike cleaner. It managed to clean some pretty stubborn sheep poo off my bike with ease and it left it looking great. If you want to try Punk Powder or get your hands on any of the rest of the Muckoff product range, then as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off during the month of September using the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout over on muck-off.com. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20 over on muckoff.com. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Downtime EP issue one is going to print literally as we speak. I've seen the final proof and it looks incredible. There's going to be a global launch at the very end of September with copies shipping in early October. But if you can't wait for that, then there's going to be an early bird drop going out as soon as they arrive in the warehouse in a couple of weeks time. The first 100 copies will come with a lovely limited edition fine art print too and special early bird pricing. If you want to get one of these early bird copies, then head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address. And we're going to be in touch really soon to tell you what to do. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe. So hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. I'd also love it if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on and it's always lovely to hear from you in the comments and the messages there. All right, I don't think I'm alone in wanting to be faster on my bike. So in this episode, I took a coaching session with Laurie Greenland's coach, Ollie Morris. We sat down after the session to discuss the process that we went through to identify areas that could be improved and the exercises that we went through to help. It was a super interesting day for me and really quite different from what I expected. We also discuss coaching in general and hopefully give you some good pointers if you're interested in taking on some coaching yourself, be it to go faster or for other completely different reasons. Now, we got a little bit cocky with the weather and we decided to record this outside after the session. Unfortunately, our recording got cut short by the heaviest rainstorm I've been in for years. So the second half of this podcast was recorded remotely at a later date. You'll notice a little change in the acoustics as we switch between the two. All right, without further ado, here's Ollie Morris. Ollie Morris, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. Fourth time. Fourth. And I am counting every single one, Chris. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Professional now. I don't know about that, but yeah. Microphone technique will be being judged. Yeah. So you were saying not too far away. Yeah. No, I won't do that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I failed at the first hurdle. We're all good. But for people that might not have heard you speaking on some of the other podcasts we've done, just give us a super quick overview on who you are and what you do. Yeah. So uh, yeah, my name's Ollie Morris. Um, I have raced as long as I can remember. 
um, but at a fairly high level for the past kind of 10 years um, and still trying. So many people think I've like moved into just being the coach and, and doesn't actually try, but I still really care about my own racing. But uh, as a job, I am a mountain bike coach. Um, so I have my own company, Pro Ride Mountain Bike Coaching, and uh, work for Mondraker as their performance coach which consists of many things with Mondraker, but anything from, you know, obviously trackside, line spotting, and and basically the rider support, really, is probably how I'd summarise it. Yeah, nice. And you're working heavily with Laurie Greenland as a as a piece of that, right? Helping him get where he wants to be throughout the season. Totally, yeah, yeah. We did a lot through the winter. Uh, obviously, I live near Laurie, so um, we put a lot of time. Well, we've I've actually been working with Laurie for the past kind of 18 months really now, so... Uh, it's been an awesome, interesting journey so far, really, uh, from from the start through to where we are now and hopefully where we carry on going. Yeah, good stuff. All right, um, so I mean, the, the whole premise behind this was that we wanted to talk about coaching and we wanted to put it around a physical session. So we've been out this morning for what? Did we do about four hours in the end? Mm, yeah, yeah. We didn't want to come in, did we, to be fair? <laughs> no, I think we were having quite a good time. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was near, yeah, just over four hours, I think, which yeah. is a fairly good shift without, without actually a break inside. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously coaching me, I'm not coaching you. Um, I, I Like I said at the start, I classify myself as on a good day, a best, uh, a mid-pack veteran rider um so not not amazing by any stretch of the imagination but always keen to kind of improve and get better i have done a little bit of coaching in the past about five years ago but it was all group based specific um like with top yeah specific focus topics like drops or jumps or whatever and i definitely got some some huge benefits from that but this is the first time i've done a one-to-one session so i guess to start off with just tell us a little bit about why people come to you because it, i get the impression it's there's some different reasons that people might want to go and do some coaching yeah 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 and we will always ask people why what what they want out of it you know why why have you turned up here today kind of thing and uh, i think you even found it quite like you were like well obviously to go faster ollie i think was your kind of <laughs> response and i was like okay that's fine that we could work on that but honestly people will come a lot of it for building confidence you know um building their confidence on the bike obviously can lead to more speed yeah um but n- majority of us aren't racers let's be honest so actually they want to feel a bit more confident that leads on to them maybe having a bit more fun on the bike um there's the safety aspect which you know yeah. is super important like n- no one wants to get hurt um so you know people want to make sure they're doing something right so they don't you know don't pick up injuries and stuff so yeah there's there's kind of multitude i mean some people just directly say I want to get off that drop or okay. I want to get over that jump, you know, something really, really specific. Yeah. Um, but the general, like, yeah, higher level objectives are like, yeah, either speed um, and and actually even speed is separated into speed for racers or speed, just keep up with my mates and okay. flow down a trail, better sort of speed mm-hmm. uh, through to fun and obviously confidence. Um, they're the kind of main, main three really. Yeah. Cool. So let's, yeah, go through, how you approach today, I guess, because I've been the patient and you've been very much in charge. Like, how did you, where do you start? How do you try and get into the rider's mind and work out where you want to start, what kind of stuff you want to start looking at? Yeah, it's um, it's always quite a difficult, probably one of the most difficult things of any training, I would say, is figuring out the pitch of that training. Mm-hmm. So this type style of training we're doing, obviously, is coaching and one-to-one. But what level 
should you go in at kind of thing. Okay. Because, you know, you call yourself an average or a mid-pack veteran rider or whatever, you know, so people, people give you that, but it still doesn't really explain how quick they're going to be going or how I, even how maybe quite slow, but a very talented rider, you Mm -hmm. know, or it doesn't really give you much. And, but you, you try, you know, we have, we get information before people book on or when we first meet and stuff. So you try and get that pitch, um, which can be quite difficult, but, uh, that's kind of the first thing is get some information from them verbally. Uh, then watch. I mean, arguably, I reckon I could watch a rider for the first two or three hours of a session to really get to grips with the things they really need. Yeah. Now, obviously, most people book like three-hour sessions, so I'm not going to spend the majority of that just watching because, you know, for the value. So sometimes, yeah, you do have to jump in a little bit uh, earlier than that. But the observation is like, it's a bit like, I guess, if you go to a physiotherapist or something like that, they're, they're not just going to look at you and just suddenly start cracking you and stretching mm. you into place. You know, they're, they're going to actually do an evaluation. So yeah, that observation is full evaluation. See the person you've got in front of you. Um, and what I try and do as well, and what I try and encourage my coaches to do is like actually try and learn a bit about the person kind of thing. Um, learn about maybe how they're going to learn some people who are new on coaching don't actually have a clue what the coaching is going to consist of. Yeah, yeah. You know, like coaching, make me better on a bike kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a bit about like learning about what they kind of want out of that session and it's already setting up like how you're going to then adapt to suit really more Mm -hmm. than anything else. Yeah, yeah, because you'd picked up fairly early on that I'm quite analytical, perhaps too analytical with things and Mm. like I guess that it felt like that changed the way you fed back and the conversations that we had throughout the day to some extent. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, like, like yourself, I saw you methodically folding up your shirt and, you know, there were some really obvious signs and I knew your background with your work and engineering and stuff. So it's obvious signs that you were quite methodical. Um, so for me, it was like understanding that it didn't actually mean that I, I didn't, as you well know, maybe you'll speak about in a bit, but I didn't totally take a, a very methodical, overly detailed, method for you yeah but it was me being aware that that's uh your personality mm. type and then how we can make sure it kind of fits yeah um and you get the best out of it really yeah nice so we started off with a very steady run i guess through like a trail with a couple of little jumps and some berms with you following what what are you looking at everything <laughs> well i'm just enjoying the ride at that point to be fair chris <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting my one my one go on a bike before we get going <laughs> um no of the things you're looking at there's the natural stuff like where like balance getting and for me actually it's trying to see how well you understand what the bike is doing okay not just you how the rider that you're observing mm. so it's looking at the where they are standing on the bike how they move on the bike, whether they move at all. Some people are too rigid. Some people move too much. Um, uh, it's looking about your braking habits, trying to get a feeling for that. And when I'm following, it's really easy to see. You know, sometimes I'm thinking, crikey, I'd be, I'm braking way before them or sometimes the other way around. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's just kind of get this, getting an overview for the, the person's general feel. Mm-hmm. And, and when, if you're happy for me to say, but when we watched, watched you, like I quite quickly realized that you moved, the bike moved well underneath you. Uh-huh. So you're making good movements. Um, 
you know, you, you, you there wasn't any big jumps, but when when you were taking off, you looked confident. Nothing looked like you were getting butt too much. And uh-huh. It was your first run down a trail, so taking that into consideration. Um, but then we noticed that yeah, maybe some of the corners, like y- your confidence to sort of commit into the corners, clearly was like, although being good because you're a good rider, Chris. Thanks, mate. I, I have to say that. <laughs> um, but no, it, obviously it was very competent, but that was the thing that was highlighting the most. Yeah. So f- for me, it's like, well, let's jump on the thing that's going to give them the most gain, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess we went and rode another, like, slightly more technical, rougher, more varied trail, I guess, a bit less bike parky. Would you follow me again? Is that? Did you already have a picture in your head of where we were heading by then? And that was just the kind of verify that that was the right direction or are you still gaining some information there i'm still gaining information sometimes i'd have a bit of an idea that i'd go to certain areas but and maybe years ago i'd probably plan the areas a bit more but i actually find obviously i know the area where i coach very well so i actually find it's a bit more like watch the rider and let that kind of build Mm -hmm. from what you've seen if you know what i mean okay Uh, sometimes if i overly prescribe it and every now and again i do it actually never works and i have you know go back to something that i know is going to work so yeah 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 yeah. and so obviously cornering was something that you picked out i Mm. think i'd said anyway ahead Mm -hmm. i'm i'm fairly convinced i could get better at cornering Mm. um yeah talk us through how we've approached that because yeah i'll I'll be totally honest it wasn't what i expected i guess like i don't think at any point well no that's not totally true we have looked at position on the bike but kind of way less than i expected i Mm. i thought the fix, I guess, would be coming from how I'm positioning on the bike. And that's been a very small part of what we've done. Not that mm. we couldn't improve that, but mm. the area that you've you've picked on to focus was very different. Yeah. I, I think for me, and it's diff- every single rider is different. That has to be said. So, but for me, when we saw what was going on for you, it was it was actually a lot of it was down to your kind of braking, wasn't it? You know, and, and not braking quite in the right places, which was then impacting how well you could commit to the turn. Yeah. Not to say there wasn't stuff that we could fix with actually making the turn and your weight transfer and all that sort of stuff, but that seemed to be the biggest thing. So for me, it was kind of like, well, why is that happening? The first thing, and you can, and when we had a look and we had a discussion over it, um, and. And we kind of started to realize that actually it's probably a bit about where you're looking. So your like speed perception wasn't quite there. Yeah. Um, so once we'd figured that out, um, we could then just focus on some some key things to obviously help your speed percep- perception about what you need to focus on, when you need to focus on it, um, when you should stop focusing on it. You know, there's yeah. all of these things to kind of explore and try different different ways. Um, and uh and then, and that's the path we went down. And if you notice, probably later on down the session, we did touch a bit more on positioning mm. about obviously bringing you a bit further forward, a bit more weight on the front wheel and stuff. But um, I think with a rider such as you, with the information that I had, it seemed to be that coming in from that angle worked well. Yeah, yeah. Whereas other riders, especially if it's a newer rider, we'd probably, um, 99% of the time, we'd come in from the angle of, okay, well, we need to get this body position understood because this person doesn't have any real understanding of like where they should be standing on a bike, even yeah. on a straight, let alone a corner. Okay. And then coming from that angle. So I think it's just adapting the way you come from. Yeah. And that's like, you know, I'm really interested to hear more of your thoughts through this <laughs> podcast because it's definitely like, and, it, and, and I'm interested to hear people's thoughts all the time that we coach because mm. 
Like that's a choice that I'm just making on that day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure sometimes that choice you make is kind of not quite right or not yeah. not perfect. Um, and it and that choice has to be made from the experience that you've had over time, doesn't it? Kind of thing. So yeah. it's not easy to coach like that because it's not like you said. I didn't bring you in and take you to my point where I teach everyone how to stand on a bike and and then you know and then move forward and do all of the various sort of movements and things. Um. Uh because it didn't seem right for you, you know? But uh, but again, equally some other people, it would be right. So adapting is the key. Yeah. And one thing I think we did pretty much straight off was we rode a section of trail with like five or six turns on. And then I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do. But you were like, how did that go? <laughs> there was quite a lot of um, of like open questioning. You were really making me think about what was going on and how I was feeling and stuff. That Again, that sort of took me by surprise. What's the the thinking behind that? You said it took you by surprise. How, can you actually describe the question you're back here? If you're, <laughs> yeah, is this allowed? Um, the uh, how actually did did that make you feel? In that you know, you maybe you weren't expecting it, mm. and suddenly I'm like going, "Well, you tell me how you felt." Like how, maybe not in that in that way, but yeah, can you describe a bit more about how that kind of was for you? Like it 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 took me by surprise because I'm just I'm, I guess my expectation turning up is that you watch me you tear me apart you <laughs> tell me what to do to put myself back together in a better way and I kind of that process like makes sense in my head I never really got I never I guess expected to get asked my opinion mm. um and I don't think I ever really I get to the bottom of a trail and, and think that was good or that was bad right or I messed up that bit or whatever or that bit went really well but I don't really ever go in any more detail than that. Mm. So it was really interesting to be like, oh, how did that go? Yeah. <laughs> like to try and remember, like, what was I doing? How did I feel through that section? Like, what? Yeah, it was really, it's quite hard the first time. I mm. think I found it easier throughout the day the more we've done it. But it was quite hard to remember and then to even articulate like what had gone on in my head that I hadn't realised had gone on in my head as we went down the trail. So it was really, it's quite an interesting little exercise yeah. from the get-go. It's kind of like, I guess it's to, if you think about it, to act, to make big change in people's learning, you've got to make them become more aware. Yeah, yeah. So in other words, again, let's take the braking thing. I could have stood by the side of the track and just shouted at you, brake early. Mm-hmm. Let's brake here or put some cones down and this is your braking zone and yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. And that would have been really, really good. And I'm sure you'd have then braked at the right point and you've come around the turn probably faster and we'd have all walked away thinking you've improved. On that turn. On that turn. Yeah. In that scenario with me shouting at you. Yeah. yeah. So you go home to your, <laughs> your home trails. I mean, this is obviously clearly where I'm going here, but you go to your home trails. You haven't built awareness about how to brake better. Yeah. You've, you've built Oh no, it's, it's probably flogged the braking early to have a better exit speed thing, mm. which we've all read, and you don't have to look too much online to find that information. So you've sort of you've reconfirmed some information. Or if you were a totally new rider, maybe that would actually be a good method. You know, like if, yeah, yeah. if you were a newer, then I probably would, because people wouldn't probably understand the mm-hmm. braking zones thing. So that's why I always say it totally relevant relative yeah, to the person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But for you, yeah, it was, it was like, let's question you. Let's get you thinking and being aware of this. Mm. Then hopefully that like change in your riding carries on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've not really, I mean, we've talked about breaking as an aside, <laughs> but we haven't actually done anything 
specifically on braking all day, which is quite interesting. I know I felt worried about that. Yeah. Being as that's one of the things that we're looking to fix. Mm. So yeah, I guess talk through a little bit the the the, th- the one of the key things that we have done to help with all that is this concept of a of a mark. Mm. Totally. So like you know, normally normally the thing that fixes something like the thing that fixes something isn't normally that obvious is it it's normally mm. a little bit further to the side or deeper than the actual challenge yeah. you know so like you could have told me all day you could you need to break before a corner you, you you didn't need me to tell you that so what we tried doing is building your uh speed awareness i suppose <laughs> not speed awareness not like <laughs> thinking a, the, yeah, yeah, yeah not a correctional course for yeah. someone who's been caught speeding but not that course yeah. but yeah helping um, me know how quick i'm going so i've got a feel for when i might need to break totally that yeah so if we can if we can build that then um then it will start happening more naturally so yeah so for us it was a matter of finding you these marks these certain points in a the corner these certain things that you need to be looking at um and that then helps increase your increase your um your perception of your speed because you get a feel for how quickly you're closing on that mark yeah i'm glad you said that yeah exactly and that's what uh-huh. you felt didn't you in yeah, fact yeah. you did the first time you found it quite be honest it was quite, quite weird alien, didn't yeah, you yeah. yeah it felt very strange yeah so, because we were to give people the context i guess there was a, a a point i guess towards the latter end of the the corner where you're kind of pushing in that was the mark on the first turn and then we sort of were looking up from there into the next turn and it just felt very strange to be like laser focused because it was the first time I did mm. it very much like laser focused on that mark from way uh, up. Like the, 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 I mean, the trail wasn't technical coming in, but there's stuff going on under the bike mm. and I'm just staring at this death stare at this point on the corner and then hitting it and looking up to the next one. Mm. And it felt really quite odd, but actually fairly quickly became quite a comfortable mm. thing to do to be because we rode a couple of trails that, we didn't stop and session like but yeah trying to just look down the track for a mark all right get to that mark next sort of mm. thing just ticking them off if you if you think about it it gives you something to like like i mean quite literally focus on doesn't it but mm. you know like rather than just riding down stressing about all the stuff that's kind of around you and and just kind of like waiting for the next thing to happen to you you're actually is a bit of sort of sort of purpose to it and positivity mm. isn't it it's like right i'm going that's there. i'm going to that point yeah, yeah. whatever's in the way i will deal with it in yeah. my, as we spoke about in our like peripheral vision yeah um and then we'll do something when we get let's get there so yeah. and again i think as i said to you through the session it's still it's still like a one way to ride it's not that that's not the only way to ride and i think i made sure i said that probably three or four yeah, times yeah. through the morning it was yeah. like I've, it's, and again, especially with riders like you, if 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 I say that that's the only way to ride, you're going to go away and just ride that, and then you become very in a box and may, sometimes maybe robotic. Mm-hmm. It's actually about giving you a broader riding perspective, isn't it? And different ways to try getting down a trail. Yeah. The challenge after that, when you get to like some top races, is it's about choosing the right method, approach, attitude. Yeah, line. It's about the right choice at yeah, the right yeah, time, yeah. you know, yeah, which is yeah, a whole yeah. different ballgame. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, and it was interesting, like using marks in that way. Not only was it helping turn down the trail in between, like turn down the volume of what was going on, because you just focused on this next mark. It gives you the speed perception because you've got how quickly am I closing on this mark, and therefore mm-hmm. do I need to get some speed off? But it also was a nice way of making me look ahead, look up without 
being told to look up mm. if that makes sense so in the past i've done training where you know and, and i think everyone knows this right look up sure looking yeah. up's a good thing but i think we had this conversation more out on the trail like at what <laughs> how high like how far ahead should i be looking um and i've always found it hard i find i have to very consciously think about looking up because my natural eye gaze is probably quite close and too mm. close in front mm. and i worry about what's going on under the front wheel almost um so yeah so having this like i need to pick a mark head for this mark etc like it just gave me gave me a reason to look up totally um without being told to look up so i think it's quite a nice system in that respect you know when i first first started coaching mountain bikes i i remember saying to somebody this lady who was who was also very new to mountain bike and i said uh, i said look up and and she quite literally looked up <laughs> not for long because she yeah. realized she and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like this, the terminology, if, you, if you're with a load of other riders that have ridden for ages and you're like, yeah, just look up a bit more. They're, yeah, they're, t- they're going to be like, yeah, I get it. I need to just look up a bit more. And, and it's cool. But this was like, you know, the specific term for look up is, I won't do it because I'll wreck the, the microphone, <laughs> Chris, but it's quite literally looking up, isn't it? So, yeah. and in, so it's, it's just a thing, isn't it? The other thing to jump on really that I think is quite important there is if you're if you're more comfortable on the bike, mm-hmm. you will naturally look up or look further down the trail. Okay, um, easier. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you if you're comfortable with the feel of the floor underneath you, you don't need to look at it. Okay. Whereas it's if it's when you're not comfortable there, and I know I do it, and I've been riding many years, but if I'm not comfortable with what's underneath me on a new track and it's a big track in France or in the Alps, or whatever. You know, I'm staring at my front wheel, yeah, because I'm like, what is going on underneath me? Yeah. But then you might do a couple of runs or you might be a more experienced rider, whatever. And suddenly you can actually just start going, right, I trust. I have some trust of what's underneath me. Yeah, yeah. I can now look forward and look down there. So yeah. that's like another another way to um, encourage looking at your marks, really, yeah. and looking further ahead. Yeah. And then something else we did on that bit of trail was, um, I think you the initial language you used was to try and climb out the front of the bike on the exit of the turn was that how where we were going which mm. didn't kind of click with me did it? i couldn't no. get my head around what you were talking about um do you do, do you have that often where you're like the way you explain the way something makes sense in your head doesn't necessarily work for others and you have to find a way to translate yeah totally that's like the biggest thing and okay. and, I, and you only learn it really you learn it yes from as i said in the early stages figuring out who you're speaking to but mm. You know, I, I was giving you, it was it was all about imagination, that, wasn't it? It was not like, it wasn't specific. I wasn't saying move your arms or your legs mm. or, and it, I, I was just saying like, imagine that you're the first thing to leave the corner. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so many people pounce on that. They're like, oh yeah, I can really, I can really like, imagine that. Whereas for you, you wanted something a bit more specific. Yeah. Um, and so I had to adapt, you know, simple as that. Yeah. But, so yeah, where we ended up was that it was more, it was about me getting more weight over the front. Mm. Like I was into the turn and then shifting my weight kind of off the back and almost getting a little wheel lift on the exit of the turns, like losing front end grip effectively. Mm. So yeah, finding, finding a way to communicate. It's not just what you want me to do, but how you tell me to do it as well. That's pretty important. Completely. Yeah. And isn't that the hardest thing? Like when you're working with people, you know, people, 
uh, I suppose we're the opposite to a machine, aren't we? Do you know mm. what I mean? So we, we're, everyone's different and responds differently. And even the same person would respond differently in when they're tired or in different scenarios. I guess in this scenario, sometimes if they're newer riders, there's going to be level of nervousness to not understanding coaching mm-hmm. and not understanding riding and it maybe being a new place to come and ride. So you have to be totally aware of all of the different uh, situations, I suppose, that yeah, people can yeah. be in. Yeah. Yeah. So we've worked on that first zone and we've looked at laying marks in the turns um, and we've looked at trying to get my body weight uh, a little bit further forward, certainly on the exit of a turn. Um, Talk a little bit about the, I guess, the tools that you've used because you were um, using your phone to video, I think, pretty much every run that we did. Um, Yeah, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So the... Um, filming is like probably one of the most common tools used, I would say, across all coaches. Uh, it's a really, really useful tool. And I mean, I've been watching the Olympics this week with the swimming and the high dive, and they've all got their iPads and stuff by the side, and they're, they're, they're watching it straight after every dive, you know, which I thought was quite impressive and very analytical, even like in the competitive moment, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah we definitely use that and actually what that is the best thing with training is um and that's training of anything or developing of anything is um is self-awareness so quite literally what a video does is it holds up one um big mirror in front of you (laughs) and shows you exactly what you're doing and um and 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 I don't know how, how you felt, but a lot of other customers definitely say like they're like, Oh crikey, I really thought I was doing that then and, and I wasn't. Or, or or the other way around, you know, I really thought I wasn't doing that and I was kind of thing. So it's like, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. Did you get that kind of feeling at all during the, the few hours we had together? Uh I think the thing that, that surprised me the most, or the thing that I found interesting with the video was kind of how subtle stuff was so this was in I, I posted one of the videos from the coaching session the other day and um someone got in touch saying oh did you film all of it and i said yeah well we, we pretty much filmed every exercise that we did and every run mm. and they were like oh you know you're going to post it be really interesting and i said well i'm not sure you'd necessarily really get anything from it or see anything you kind of had to be there and i think like it was so subtle some of it like you would you'd be like oh did you see you did that and i'd be like well hang on what and you'd have to really slow it down or like freeze frame it and show me the specifics like oh your you know your foot was doing this here or you know and even the the forward weight position stuff it wasn't super obvious like you really had to dig into the foot so i think yeah the the thing for me was like it was really interesting to see me doing it um but yeah i was surprised i guess at how subtle some of it was mm. but how big a difference it made on the trail Totally. And I reckon that's why it's one tool, you know, and and I know I've done it before and over the years where, you know, you sort of rely too much on one of your tools that you're given, if you like. But um, uh, I think it's, uh, and again, going back to my point about self-awareness, that it helps self-awareness, but also getting somebody to talk about the, uh, how it kind of went for them, you know, like when they went through those series of turns or whatever it would be. Um, and then add that to the video, then you've got like multiple kind of like injections of information, uh, yeah. not just here's a video, I'm a coach, this is what I've seen, so off you go. And it's more like, can you see it? And 
I think it's cool that you're honest that sometimes you don't, you know, and, 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 and should you, you know, I'm watching those videos every single day. Um, whereas uh, you're suddenly just looking at the video of yourself going, well, I went around a corner, didn't I? And I, yeah, <laughs> I went around a corner five minutes ago as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's why I think it's adding all of those tools um, uh, together to kind of make that change and make that improvement. Yeah. And I think it helps me now. Like I could look at video footage of myself with a little bit more uh, understanding, I guess. So I think if I was filmed away from a coaching session, I would now know more what to look for. Like I could dig into that footage a little bit and find things and look at, right, what am I doing well and what might I be able to improve? Um, Mm. So I think that was a a really useful exercise. Another thing that was kind of interesting for me that came out of that, there was um, like a series of back-to-back turns, then a kind of quite, not not super challenging, but like a rough right into a quick left. And then after that, it was a bit of a straight with kind of nothing going on before you turn into another right-hander. We did one run through that, which you filmed, and you were like, don't look like you're enjoying that bit, mate. What's up? <laughs> and, uh, it, it, yeah, and I was like, well, am, I, am I not enjoying it? Like, what's going on there? I guess, it, yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about that section because I that was, was kind of interesting. I didn't even realise what I was doing there. Um, but the sort of fix you implemented made quite a big change to how I felt through that section. Yeah, that's the, um, I suppose to you, you were just riding your bike, you know, you came out a corner, you're riding your bike thinking about getting to the next corner. So, uh, totally understand. Uh, to me, you can see when people are having to work harder riding their bike, uh, or easier and let's all be honest you know we take you know prime example might be somebody like greg menar um it doesn't doesn't look like over the years like he's working hard when he's really riding it like some other riders are moving all over the place and he he moves very little and very subtle uh or subtly but um but somehow it works very well for him, right? Over there, yeah, yeah, yeah. God knows how many years. So, <clears throat> what I saw from you is, yeah, you were sort of um, making big movements in your footwork, so your sort of crank positioning, which to me says you were sort of getting not out of balance slightly. Um, you know, you were, you were, that was then impacting because that's the thing you're standing on. That was impacting where your body was moving, um, and to me, yeah, it just looked like you were making the easy bit a little bit too difficult <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so that's where i mean I, I can't remember the exact feedback i gave you or what we agreed that you do but i think it was a little bit of kind of like just go back to your neutral position almost just yeah. do nothing for a minute yeah yeah cranks level and just sort of get into a an, a regular riding position as soon as you're through that mark like out of that turn basically exactly that yeah um and and that's what we did. So again, I'll probably ask you how, how, like, when you made that change, how did it kind of go for you? Yeah, it it was real. It was one of the bigger, the more noticeable things that we did throughout the day. Actually, like it for for what felt like a corner that was almost still going on a little bit, and an and almost maybe like there was a level of sort of off camber to it, and not much time to set up for the next turn. From literally just coming out. And getting into that ready position, cranks level, it, it felt like I wasn't do like I had nothing to do for a bit. Like I literally was just able to compose, look into the next turn, 
and work out like, okay, when am I going to break for this? What am I doing? Like it, it took what felt like a piece of the track that I was having to work on and effectively just neutralized it. Like I didn't really have anything to do. And I was, I was really surprised by that because I, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't really comprehend why that would make such a difference, but it did. Mm. And I think one of your objectives for the going into the day, you were kind of like, <laughs> not I think actually, I remember the text where it said <laughs> speed, I think in capital <laughs> letters. Um, so, uh, but you obviously wanted to go faster on the bike kind of thing. And uh, and actually reminds me about one of the other tools, which would be timing equipment, which we should probably speak about in a second. But yeah, definitely. the um, in that particular bit, to go faster, you have what I have to do or you as a rider has to do is try and find yourself some more time. Um, you can't just go faster by rushing. And so in that scenario, it was kind of like, actually, let's like get you doing a little bit less in between each of the obstacles. In this case, it was kind of out of the left hand there. Uh, into a right wasn't it so um along that straight let's get you back into a bit of a nicer position have you working less hard and uh and then you've got a couple of extra bike lengths to think about where you're going to go how you're going to set up your breaking points you know maybe you start planning your line a little bit into the next turn mm -hmm. yeah i was i felt yeah pre prior to that i sort of felt like i was having to balance the bike around the, not the edge of grip but like to ensure that i had grip whereas getting into that that flat crank kind of ready position it just meant I, I didn't have that feeling anymore i didn't feel like i was anywhere near the edge of the grip envelope it just was a straight line nothing to do just look ahead it was yeah mm -hmm. quite a marked difference i think as you were saying that the other rider I, that came to mind and this probably should have been the first rider i thought of but it's sam hill you know, uh -huh. he just kind of, he does something, he'll go around a corner quicker than anybody in the world. And then he just sort of, just sort of does nothing for a little bit of time, doesn't he? <laughs> Down straights that we'd, we'd probably all be doing quite a lot <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and struggling on, but uh, he just kind of stands there and, and gets ready for the next turn. So yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. Let's <clears> talk a bit about time and equipment. Cause I, I guess for me, like the think the thinking behind going coaching was speed related and therefore to look at whether the coaching's working or not let's see if we're getting faster um so you've got you've got a time lapse kit i think um mm. so we had access to accurate timing and and you, you you brought it with you um but you quickly convinced me that we shouldn't take it with us or we shouldn't use it um tell me a bit about that so yeah, it's the free lap kit I use and uh, it's awesome stuff and you get the app and it's exciting and it's fun to use. So <laughs> absolutely perfect. Um, this was our first session together though. So, and you don't ride the Forest of Dean that much, isn't your kind of local trails. Okay. So you wouldn't know the trails very well. So I could have quite easily put the time and equipment out um, over this session. And it was only probably three, four hour session that we did over the session. You would have improved your time and um you'd have been you'd have gone away happy on here we could have spoken about the fact that you've improved and i could have proved worth and all that sort of stuff but let's be honest if i put gave you time and equipment didn't come with you and stuck you on a new track and you spent the morning on it you'd figure out going faster through that morning for sure yeah. you know yeah. like without a shadow of a doubt so um so for me it's like using it in that scenario actually wasn't like other than us just going, oh, cool, you're faster. Uh, actually, I don't think it would have helped. 
uh-huh. the, the time and equipment I'd, I would m- use more with people further down the line or at the right, like for example, the main people I use it with is, is racers and at the right time, if, we, if we're doing coaching on, say, race simulation or something like that, so like putting them through at the paces of a, a real life race day or race weekend, then we'd use it, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, yeah then, then, cause that adds, it's more about, for me, it's about adding the pressure and um, then seeing if they beat the person that's also on the course with them or, or sometimes I'll put a time down or something. So it's, it's kind of more about that um, for coaching. Otherwise it's used more heavily for testing purposes, really, you know, to see yeah. if you're testing parts and stuff, but um, yeah, it's a difficult, it's, it's a nice additional tool, but I wouldn't say, it's ideal in that setting because we haven't um uh we are we're not controlling enough of the situation if you know what i mean uh, that's to, fair to warrant it yeah yeah it's interesting and i and i guess yeah like i don't feel like throughout that session we ended up really like trying to go as fast as possible if that makes sense we were kind of like i don't feel like i was riding at a hundred percent or a hundred and one percent i feel like i was riding at a reasonable speed to make it challenging but like it was more about focusing on trying to make some of these changes and not necessarily about ultimate like let's go as fast as we possibly can through this section so i think the the speed element probably doesn't come on the day it comes later once you've fully embedded the techniques that you've learned on the day if that makes sense Oh, completely yeah yeah and, and, and that's exactly it. if you did two or three or four sessions with me then actually yeah maybe it would be worth if if racing and speed is your focus then we'd put the timing equipment out and then we'd almost check to see how um well you're using the techniques when you're sort of more stressed if you like so under a under in a position where you're trying to actually go fast suddenly how much of the techniques go out the window and let's be honest for a lot of us you know that's quite common kind of thing so (laughs) um so yeah it's, you know you've got to make the changing in a in a nice environment you know not too fast in fact that not too fast thing i get it so commonly about by about um lunchtime of a full day course i get a few people going do you know what lee i'm i'm uh i think i'm going to sort of slow down a bit now and and <laughs> and, and uh and, and so i can really try and get these techniques <laughs> and it makes me chuckle because i think yeah that's that is what we've been saying since the beginning but at the end of the day <laughs> People who want to go fast want to go fast, and I'm one of them. I think I've been on a course with somebody before where they've had to tell me to slow down a few hours later because I'm not really changing what I'm doing. I'm just trying to go fast. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, we moved. We moved on then. We've so we've looked at putting marks in. We've looked at, I guess, returning to a composed position th- between sections of trail, and we've looked at getting the body weight a little bit further forward on exit of turn. We then moved to. A slightly more challenging, a, a bit steeper section. Just one turn that we were kind of looking at. Talk us through what we were trying to do there. Yeah, and actually, that probably links a little bit to what I was saying about with the timing equipment. But for me, it was kind of like the things that we'd done on the um, first section were going well for you. You'd managed to make some change. It was it was looking good. You were you were feeling good. Um, so for me, it was a little bit of like I know that. Chris is going to go home and the next time he goes out for a ride in his local trails, you know, maybe push what we've been trying to do on something a little bit more technical. 
so for me it was kind of like let's just go and check in on this on this this trail where yeah it was I guess yeah it was more the gradient which was the biggest change there were a few more routes and actually it was a bit looser in that on that day but um uh but it was more kind of the gradient wasn't it so yeah yeah for me it was kind of like seeing that happen and and uh and the first couple well <laughs> I mean you probably better you describe them but the first couple of runs was uh definitely did showed that we didn't just chuck in all of the things that we'd learned further up and yeah, yeah go on yeah, what yeah, your definitely. thoughts on that yeah well I guess I mean I started finding problems straight away didn't I like uh, you you laid the mark in what looked like a pretty loose part of the turn um and it made sense because it was getting close to the exit it was where you wanted to be doing the majority of the turning but it it looked like there wasn't going to be a lot of grip there there was also like a stump on the exit of that turn which straight away was in my head like am I going inside it or outside it what's going to happen about that stump and which funnily enough you were like oh I've never really noticed that before so it'd been a like a non-event for you so I guess in my head I was trying to I'd already not taught myself out of it like I was happy to ride it. it was well within my ability but whether I was happy to do it whilst trying to implement the techniques that we'd practice was a, kind of another thing and and how well I thought that would go um I'd yeah I'd already taught myself down I suppose so yeah first couple of runs I think I ended up hanging a foot off the first run it was pretty abysmal just because mm. I had I couldn't really get my head around committing to it but we worked through it and uh we definitely yeah we got to a point where it was going a lot better but it took a little while didn't it yeah totally and that's the way you said that is perfect because if you think about it there's one thing not knowing what you need to do isn't there kind of thing and 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 then there's not being able to necessarily apply that so you've got to kind of get a bit of the knowledge then do the application but then we've got this that thing called fear haven't we that kind of like can knock stop you thinking about the knowledge stop you really doing any of the application like doing anything correctly and it and yeah. and actually that can outweigh all of the rest of the skills that you have so so actually going into this thing and you're spotting this stump and and how loose it is you're spotting all of these kind of if you like and you're not a negative person chris but if you like the sort of negative bits the bits that could go wrong kind of thing yeah. and and um and I was like well hold on a minute haven't we just worked on the mark itself on like if we turn well on that mark with our positioning in the right place we're going to have the most amount of grip and turn out of it like it makes perfect sense but um equally it makes perfect sense you seeing all this other if you like noise around the the technique so um so part of that and especially with the particular thing we were working on was about getting you to focus more on that particular thing, you know, on, on focus more on this mark, remove the the stuff around it. Um, sounds bad that I didn't notice that stump, to be fair, doesn't it? But um, uh, bad as a coach, maybe not as a rider, but as a coach, that's probably quite bad. But um, uh, but equally, it's to try it, like I say, because we're trying to focus on the thing where you can do something and then going back to the then not do something when you when when you shouldn't be kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was quite interesting because there was a, a reasonable, I mean, certainly more than the previous trail we'd ridden, there was quite a bit going on before the mark there. There was quite a few, like not big routes, but, set, you know, sizable routes. It was a lot rougher coming in, the steeper coming in, um, stuff that I would normally be looking at, I think, and thinking about ahead of the mark. And obviously we're trying not to do that. We're trying to look at the mark 
pretty much ignore everything before it, get the mark executed and move on. And that I found that really interesting actually, because it did have that, it did have the effect of basically making everything ahead of it kind of a non-event. Um, whereas yeah, normally I would, I would have been focusing on every little obstacle throughout mm. that whole turn. So it was nice. It's nice to get that feeling. It took a little while. Um, and then, yeah, once we actually got to the point where I could ride the turn using the technique we were trying to employ, it's actually pretty easy. And the bit that looks loose where we were trying to do the majority of the turn and didn't feel loose when we were riding it that way. Um, and that, yeah, it did enable me to kind of get through the turn, make a reasonable exit and get some set up for what would have been the next turn. So yeah, it just took took a lot more conscious effort and practice i think to make that make those techniques part of my riding in steeper terrain so yeah it just shows i guess that just because you can do something like doesn't mean you can do it consistently across all types of terrain and situations definitely definitely and, and this isn't this is slightly off track of your point there, but something that I thought about as you were talking about it, which was, you know, take the J World Cup track, um, which people would have seen on TV, I guess mostly, but it was so busy all the way. Um, uh, there was routes and uh, and like ruts, and it, it and it was really wide as well. Like there was so much going on for the riders that 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 you have to kind of find the bit that you're going to focus on the most because um, otherwise you're, you you just can't compute. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah. So I think that's similar to what's been going on for you and coming into that corner is just simplifying what you're looking at, simplifying where you're going to do your movement kind of thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Cool. So we, we did that. I don't know, we maybe did like eight or nine runs through that until I'd sort of got to the point where I could I could – reasonably well apply what we were looking at um and then we moved on and we went from something that was at the more challenging end to some very bike parky very blue trail big burned turns um to look at some other kind of skills yeah tell us a bit about that yeah so i think once we'd seen you um I hadn't really we we well though we were working on you sort of where you're turning hitting these marks and things we hadn't really at this stage covered too much in like how you're going to pump them we covered like where your positioning needed to be to get the grip but we hadn't really uh, uh, worked on kind of how you can actually even generate some more speed out of them so um, so what we did is <laughs> I, I realised that actually we probably needed to go to something a lot easier again so you're thinking less about trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and more about the kind of movement that you're making, and uh, and then we could get uh, into the kind of detail of of like of that movement, you know. And, and it was good fun. I, I I enjoyed doing that with you. I mean, I enjoyed doing it with anyone to be fair, but it was just fun how we got into it and how we tried those different things. And I have this thing. It's it's a it's a terrible thing to say. I reckon in mountain biking so i should change the second word but they're kind of try because this thing of like trial and error if you know what i mean yeah yeah and what i mean the reason i say it's terrible because it's like what trial or crash you know you could say by (laughs) error and i don't mean it in that way i mean it's like you know we had it we were very controlled on that blue trail you know just some nice turns and it was actually like try and see how it felt for you 
see how it went for you and that probably with the little cnfr you actually rolled out the term without pedaling like the exercise we were doing and um and actually try and find something that that worked kind of thing so yeah, yeah. so i quite enjoyed that bit but yeah how did you find it when we, we this kind of i guess quite a change from a technical i think it's like a two or three dot trail at the forest of dean through to a blue you know the first trail that probably anybody gets to at the forest of dean yeah, it was really interesting. Well, A, it was interesting to watch some some very kind of beginner riders, I guess, coming through it. We talked a little bit about their body position, like how they were really, well, most of them were sat down still and really upright on the bike. And yeah, I guess it just shows sort of the progression and it gave me some reference for that. So that was really interesting. And then, yeah, just riding it, we, we did a run through it, like carrying pace into the trail from above when we got there. Um, and that those, those sort of turns, I think I said on the day, like I would normally see as like a long, well, they are long sweeping turns, I guess. And I would look at them as like, you set up and you just sort of, you don't really, once you're set up, you're not really doing anything throughout the turn. Like it's just set on, on a lean angle at a speed and kind of like let the berm kind of rail you around i guess and and the way after that when we started working on it you were talking more about kind of getting set for the corner like getting in a good position on the bike and then apply well having a mark in the turn where we're going to do the majority of the turning which was that was the biggest mindset shift for me i think i I, like i said i saw it as a big arc and you're saying well actually it is but there's most of the turning is happening at this mark that we're laying. There's an event that's going to happen there. So you're, yeah, preparing good body position on the bike and then applying pressure through the bike as you're coming through the turn till you get to your mark where you're kind of pop, pumping, popping, and then exiting the turn. So I think, yeah, the biggest change for me was trying to take it from a singular setup event and then a, like just letting the the physics of the berm do it really i suppose to being much more yeah breaking it down trying to feel that pressure through the turn and then have an kind of a an exit point a pop on the mark as we come out of the turn so it was a big shift in how i would view that type of turn and i found it quite hard i guess well we did it a lot didn't we, we probably did 15 20 mm-hmm. runs through that um not even at at high speed again just kind of rolling in from a little bit above it um and i still don't think i fully got to grips with the pressure element of it i think i need more time with that to really feel it but it it definitely started to feel like i was able to to generate more speed from the turns rather than just keep as much of the speed that i had coming in as possible if that makes sense Totally, yeah, yeah, and 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 to note there, I would say is is that that I say this to a few riders that the there's, it's not an old way and a new way, it's two different ways. Mm-hmm. So 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 the 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 other way that you went round round the or that you would have gone around those corners, especially those easy blues, is totally possible, feasible, and works. But for you, the thing we're having, we were working on, if we go back to some of your, you know, right at the beginning of the day, it was about, okay, you know, we found that your braking and where you were looking were the things that were kind of restricting you almost mostly for your corners. Mm. 
so for this, it was like, actually, that's why we've been working so hard on these marks. So we get our vision better and we improve our braking. Um, so that's why we then use those techniques on those, on those corners. Um, as well as a rider of your level is another reason why actually, yeah, we should be, you know, stepping up to that kind of pumping around the corners, generating some speed, you know, being quite positive with how you corner, you know, all of those things uh, we need to kind of build more into your riding kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um uh, whereas again, somebody else, maybe it's a matter of like trying to just carry their speed and have a gentle line and see how they carve and lean the bike nicely. So, um, so yeah, probably it's worth, uh, worth noting that there's both, but, um, uh, yeah, both techniques as there is yeah. a million techniques. <laughs> yeah. You said something, I can't remember the word, exact word you used, but something like owning, taking ownership of the turn or positive energy mm. or something like that but that it makes me think yeah before i was basically a passenger to the physics like i was on a bike and i'd set it up but I, then i was just a passenger like letting the ground and the bike do whatever it was going to do whereas mm. now it's a much more yeah positive like okay this is what i'm doing this is what i am doing in this turn to make it work for me rather than i'm setting the bike up right and, and assuming it's just going to go round because of a lean angle and a banking and a level of grip so yeah. that's that's quite a, a change mentally i think yeah there's there's an argument to say the shorter time you're looking for grip the better <laughs> again mm-hmm. i probably would definitely say for riders of certain experience and certain levels because you know if you start trying to pump turns too early in your kind of riding life if you know what i mean you know if, you, if you're not ready for it uh if your weight's not in the right place uh, um and you start pumping them you can have some problems you know the front can tuck and i've seen it you know the front suddenly tucks and you sort of get pitched over the bars or you know so so it's it's not one just to sort of go straight away and try kind of thing it's something to build into um uh, but again for your we you know again i go i go very briefly back through this through the session but we got your weight right in the turns we got where you were looking correct we checked it on something steeper and then we went and started seeing how we could pump you know the natural progression is then once you've built that in we could then come back to something a bit steeper a bit more technical and build more of that pump into that sort of thing so yeah um yeah, yeah i wouldn't say just everyone's just go running out trying to pump corners and yeah 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 so the sessions the sessions are going to be very much different for everyone right depending on the rider the way they learn what they're looking for their current level of ability how quickly they can process and take on what you're asking like i'm guessing every day for you is very different it is yeah and and i've been coaching bikes now six or seven years i think it is um and and people say to me oh you you not you're not bored yet, you know. Is is that why you're sort of doing the stuff with Laurie and with Mondraker and things? And I, and, I, and and I'm like, I'm like, no, no, I'm not bored yet because every single session is different, you know. And, and yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? Like, and I, I did a session, I think the day after your one or a couple of days after, but the next session I did, I went into it. In fact, forgetting how I went into it, I came out of it thinking. Crikey, if that was the session with Chris, we would be having a totally different conversation here. You know, we would be uh-huh. Chris's reflection on on how pro ride coach or how coaches coach full stop would be totally different. Yeah. And okay. and and it, and, it, and it made me sort of re I guess realize that yeah, it is like that. You know, I, I, people don't there's there's two different things, but I almost think as a coach you should let the rider control the session. 
Now, naturally, they don't in terms of, you know, we're helping them control their safety. You know, in fact, let them, uh, you know, experienced coaches will have certain ways of really managing uh, the safety of a rider. Um, uh, so, so and, and, and naturally, like we know how coaching works, so we're controlling, I guess, that. But uh, for me, the, it's the rider that's, that's deciding, you know, what, how much they want to push it, how much they want to learn new stuff, the way they want to go and learn that, that new uh, skill. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's, there's more control, I think, than, than sometimes the co- the person being coached uh, knows, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So, I mean, we, we got through, I guess, a relatively small amount of stuff, but we definitely kind of drilled it in and made sure that it wasn't like, we weren't just throwing a few techniques or skills out there and walking away. We were, we're very much trying to make sure that I fully had them, I guess, like that I could then go away and, and work on them. So afterwards you sent me, I think every video from the day, um, and some kind of brief notes on the stuff we covered. Is that is that standard? That's that is that what you would normally send to people? Yeah, definitely. If, everyone would get the videos for sure, and then the notes uh, varied for different people. Um, uh, sometimes they're helpful uh, for some people. Uh, I'm I'm for you definitely yes. Uh, I'm still of the view that some people it's like actually no, I felt some of that change there, and I'm just going to go yeah. into my next riding sessions and next time I go riding feeling more of that you know trying to generate more of that feeling mm-hmm. um so yeah different for different people but yeah if you want to get the videos and that's a good way to kind of look back and uh uh laugh at yourself be pleased about what you've done or put it on social media I suppose <laughs> yeah exactly get yourself shot down job done yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I mean because we're recording the second half of this session uh, a little bit later thanks to a pretty hectic thunderstorm that interrupted the first one um, I have had the chance to ride a little bit since, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting only on fairly mellow local trails, nothing, certainly nothing steep because we don't have anything steep within riding distance of the house. Um, and I've not been any further afield just yet, but yeah, it has been interesting, like trying to use, um, use the mark technique definitely, uh, to look at stuff and it, it, I mean, it has, it has the same feeling for me that it did on the terrain we rode there in that it's it's turning down sections of trail and simplifying things and it's also improving vision definitely like i'm looking without being told to look up and look ahead i'm looking up and looking ahead but i'm doing it with intent because i'm looking for these marks so yeah it was it was interesting i i haven't really i've done a little bit of kind of thinking about the pump and pressure stuff but i was trying to keep it it was a short ride and I was trying to keep things simple and not overload myself and still have, you know, still have time to kind of enjoy the riding as well as thinking about what I'm doing. But yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely something there that I can, I can continue to work on. And I think as a result of that speed will, will come. And and obviously you've got to go and win your next race to prove Clearly. that it's all worked, Chris. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the one, isn't it? We've got to lay it on the line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's been for me the process was really, yeah, really interesting. Um I guess very different from what I've done in the past. I've only done group sessions in the past. It's the first time I've had one to one. It's the first time I've been videoed and had someone talk about it. Obviously, I've mates 
videoing each other, but we've never like analyzed, certainly not to the level of detail um, that we were going into on the day. So yeah, it's been a real eye opener for me, like much more subtle than I was expecting, which is, I mean, is I, I guess a good thing because it shows that I'm not a disaster. Like we're not having to totally change the way I ride a bike um, to try and do it properly. Like those were, <laughs> were small changes. And I'm sure there's thousands more small changes we could make over over years and years of improving but yeah definitely a really good insight into my riding and a good a good place to start making some gains from um i wanted to just talk a little bit like if people are thinking about coaching or if they've been doing a little bit of coaching maybe just get a little bit of uh of support from you to kind of help them make the most of it i suppose so i mean the first the first question is like what should a rider do on the day of their coaching or even before they turn up to like maximize their gains from that, that day. Yeah. Good, good question. Um, maybe slightly changes whether you do a group or kind of one-to-one or small group session. But, um, I think like uh, one, one thing is like have like a bit of an objective in mind and, uh-huh. and, but equally that objective can be just want to be a better mountain biker you know because like that also helps <laughs> um yeah. but whatever it whatever it is whether it's as i said you you said about speed uh whether it's wanting to tick off a feature whatever it may be um you know about you know break too much in corners whatever it may be if you have a bit of some form of object- objective the coach can then kind of work off of that and that's especially on the one-to-one stuff as you probably saw in this session it meant that I didn't just have to have you turn up and then, you know, chuck you through the the stock kind of let's get your body position right and let's let's then start looking at how you're moving on the you know it was it was more we could more go in at the right level if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I'd say yeah, definitely um, if you can have some form of objective, but whatever that objective could be anything. Um, uh, what else? Being uh, definitely sort of being open to it but ex- mm-hmm. but also accepting that whatever your coach does does uh, however whatever skills and techniques your coach works with you on that doesn't mean that they're definitely the 100% right way and i don't mean like disagree because i i'm saying i mean one word saying be open to new ideas yeah but as well we have to remember like however you how you ride um uh, you can feel it better than the coach can see it, kind of thing. So, yeah. if if it feels right and you're, you know, typical one that coaches go on about is like elbows out or whatever. And but but if you have a look across the the scene, there's some riders who ride elbows very in, and it, I see actually the trend of some of the younger riders coming through being quite inward, and they seem to seems to work really well for them. So the, you know, there's, 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 there's this thing of like, don't, don't just accept like the, like that. And the reason I say that is because uh, I have this concern that because coaching has got better now that people or got more common now that people are going to become too robotic, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like something where I think, you know, take what the coach is saying, adapt it, play with it, experiment with it um, will really help you get the most from, from the coaching. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah fair play yeah i and think they're the main things yeah yeah I mean, it could be quite physical i guess like it's quite a lot of time on a bike you've got to be ready to repeat sections over and over so walking back up trail 
ride it again, ride it again, ride it again. So I think maybe like being well slept, well <laughs> fueled, uh, maybe a little bit of caffeine if that's your thing. Um, and also not trying to do it like the day after a massive ride or a big like nasty gym session or something like that. Like it needs, it needs some, some energy both physically and mentally, right? Cause it's, there's quite a lot going on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the practical side of things like that, uh, I would say for sure. Although I have had one chap say that he's delayed his coaching session for six months because he wanted to get fitter. And, okay. uh, and, and I, I, when he told me that, I thought, oh, I wish he'd have rang me and asked me because like, totally that's not the case. Like, like uh, it's probably the amount, it's probably the thought that you go through or during a coaching day uh is going to be more tiring than the amount mm. of miles you do and yeah. especially if you're on a group session as well um uh, it's less intense in a group session you know what i mean you can sort of watch other people doing a f- doing it a few times and y- you know there's yeah there's a bit more time between each go you have kind of thing yeah um and i actually i probably i probably thinking about it get some people on on one-to-one sessions, which I think, oh, you'd almost prefer a group session here, a bit of time between each session to think and to watch. Whereas I get some people on group sessions, which are a lot more intense in the way they are. And I think, oh, you'd you'd probably benefit a one-to-one, you know, because they they kind of want more and more information and they want to try again and they'll be lapping it out. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to ask about that because there's obviously, there's various different options for people. There's, There's some group sessions that are specific to like certain challenges, like a jump session or a drop session or a corner session or whatever. And then there's obviously the one-to-one stuff. Do you, if, yeah, how would you recommend people like look at the the options and make a decision for them? Are there certain things they could think about that would maybe help them head in the right direction? Yeah. So I guess probably that first thing I've said there is about that, the difference in, you know, if you if you want 100% attention on you through the day, then at the end of the day, a group session, you're not going to have. Like, I guess most coaches are the same, I think. But, you know, we won't take any more than six people on a group session. So uh-huh. um, naturally, the amount of attention you get is going to be slightly watered down than if it's one-to-one. Um, so thinking about, yeah, if actually you want a bit of time in between each one, then definitely go for a group. Uh, whereas if you want more detail, more focus, more uh yeah, more time on you and your riding than 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 one to one. Um uh, guest group sessions generally across the board of different coaching companies are generally a little bit cheaper as well. So uh-huh. you know you at the end of the day sometimes it's financial reasons if you can do some group sessions. Um as well though, I actually think like like the I love delivering our jump course. If I ever, if, whenever I deliver it, I'm just like, yes, because um, it's just a fun day out, you know, like everyone, I can only speak for, for our coaching that we deliver, but I'm sure it's the same across the board that, that everyone seems really supportive. It's, it's, it's never, you get some people on a group session that don't want other people to do well, everyone. Yeah. And if there is, and obviously there's, there's never an exact, um, same ability level you know you have different different levels of riding experience and but everyone really wants to help each other and and kind of wants everyone to get over the jump or whatever it may be so yeah i think it i think also group sessions can be just a, like a bit of a fun day out you know you you're not just chatting to me all day kind of thing you're chatting to a few other people and 
I, I actually bumped into at the top of Wiley, which is in South Wales. There's some trails down there. I bumped into a couple of guys that I've coached over the years. And and the, and, and, I, and I was peddling up with one of them and chatting away. And I said, "Where? how did you, you two meet? How did you meet Ian? I said, and and he said, ah, oh, he said, uh, on your court, on your jump course, you know. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and it's, it must have been about three years, three or four years ago they came on it. And now yeah. they're kind of, they're sort of riding the same group and stuff. So, um, that's awesome so like yeah you've got the networking side the, the, and all you've got all of the other bits other than just learning yeah. <laughs> i guess that come with a group session as well yeah how do you manage the differing abilities across a group session then because i guess some people might worry either they're not going to be at the level of the majority of the group and that's going to make life hard or they're going to be above the level of the group and then then maybe not going to get as much out of it like how do you how do you manage that you know, it's always, I'd say probably any coach or any trainer training anything and not just mountain biking is going to be slightly nervous of like having too big a range in ability. Um, that's for sure. Um, I've had it once where I've had somebody come on a course where they weren't up to the course and like they, they and, and by lunch, me and the person agreed that it's best not to carry on kind of thing because it was too much of a stretch and they weren't getting anything from it. Yeah. Um, and and equally, I've had it the other way around where some people have been, uh, and I can remember again, a jump course in this guy, um, or it's happened a few times actually, where these people come on in, they're like, oh yeah, I race enduro and, you know, I get like top threes at racing and, mm-hmm. and stuff like this in masters or whatever. And I'm like, okay, crikey. So you're a very good, right? You know, you can clearly yeah. jump. <laughs> and, um, and equally, by lunch, I, I sort of, I actually checked in with this, the one I can really remember, I checked in with them and said, oh, how's it going? They were like, I can't believe, like, how, he jumped onto this thing that I didn't even realise he'd picked on, but he, he's jumped onto, like, how much he now uses his legs rather than uses his body to uh-huh. to generate power through either jumping or pumping or general movements on the bike. He said, I, I never realised that. And I, I honestly didn't see him realizing that if you know what i mean until i'd asked yeah. him i didn't spot it because i i just really rated his riding and you know he was in the group and learning with everybody else and and when uh when he said that i was like yeah you're right actually like it kind of doesn't really matter you know if, you, if you're too good because you'll still take some stuff from it yeah um so so yeah there's, there's two different stretches but uh, generally as well the courses that i try to put on as or i guess any coach would put on um, you just make sure that there's the ability to stretch people one way. So yeah. like the jump course, we have a bit of a gap at the end of the day. and But it, I always call it the optional one. You know, it's uh-huh. like who who now wants to do this? And if some of the riders do and some of the riders, again, through conversation with me or their coach will maybe agree that it's, they're not quite ready and they need a few more practice sessions. Yeah. Um, but equally at the beginning of the day, we're on something very easy that the advanced riders are probably finding easier. So it's... Um, yeah, it's just about making sure that there's sort of something for everybody uh, throughout yeah. the day, really. Fair play. So we we've been on a session and we've got all this stuff going on. Like, what what do we do when we leave the session to try and make sure we make the most of that investment? Right, because it it isn't the cheapest thing, but mm. there's a lot of value to be had from it. How do we make sure we get all of that value? Totally. Um, so. Of natu- the first obvious thing to say is obviously go away and practice. And the amount of people I get, they'll they'll they'll, they'll come on a session and they've booked on to a bike park the day after or something like that. So going away and practicing for sure. 
But, the, and I probably said this to you at the end of you, our session together, and I know I said to a lot of people, I'm like, make sure it's not all the time. So, yeah. you know, do some practice, have some thought. But uh, I know some people, I know some coaches as well, you know, and, and including myself probably when I first started coaching is you get that quite obsessed in like, have I done that movement that me and Ollie worked on last week or, you know, did I, did I hit my mark? Might be, it was what you'd be thinking and stuff. And like, you know, you have to remember it. Don't matter if you didn't, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's all good. Like we do, when you're coaching, naturally we look at the most efficient ways to do things and getting it kind of right. Um, but, you know, rolling down a trail, having fun, doing some skids, like that's what we love doing, don't we? But if you want to make it a bit more efficient, then every now and again, think about what you're doing, do a bit of uh, bit of practice, you know, whether it be a whole day or half a day, you know, the odd time where you pick it up or whether it's just on each ride, just 10 minutes, have a little think of your cornering and work on that a little bit, whatever it may be to suit you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely practice, but I would say don't get too, don't analyze your riding every single ride because you will go yeah. absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think, do you think, you need to kind of slow down a little bit in your riding to be doing some of that stuff. Do you think it helps to slow down it in order to work on technique before it's kind of fully embedded and you can use it at a, what you would consider your maximum pace or regular uh, pace? Uh, yes, but uh, depends who you are. And also sometimes it's good to practice going fast, right? So um, yeah. not, not a simple answer, I would say to that. But naturally, yeah, for most people, slow down and work on it going slower. Um, but for, again, for some races, probably possibly that we work with, it's like, okay, we're going slow. You do it really well and really easily going fast. You don't. So we've got to start sort of edging fine bridging the yeah. gap. Haven't we kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. um, a typical, yes, generally slower. Um, but that's equally, uh, yes, go to easier trails, I guess it's how you kind of scale down, uh the other bits of the riding yeah okay that makes other sense. than just the technique yeah 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 finding the right spot to practice certain things in a controlled condition is is quite useful like we use that blue berm section totally for example yeah and, and and it's effectively like if you think about it we learn best when we're just out of our comfort zone mm-hmm. so if you stretch yourself too far out of your comfort zone no learning goes on <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you know in comfort zone yeah you're not learning you're cementing i guess what you've already got and making sure it stays and maintaining a little bit of push out of comfort zone is where you're really really progressing and obviously too far out of comfort zone is probably where a lot of the crashes happen right definitely yeah you mentioned races in there if races are i mean races are always looking to go faster i guess that's the nature of of races but if you're a serious racer and you're you know you're doing lots of races throughout the season is that a good time to kind of avoid coaching like, do you think racers should wait until the off season before they get into that sort of stuff? I guess there's a risk of like confusion and even more mental load when they turn up at a race. Um, so in terms of skills, like working on your direct skills, if you like, then um, you don't want to be doing that like right before a race or anything. It will mm-hmm. make, give you, put you into a place of overly thinking when it races, you need to think less. So um uh so yes uh but there's plenty of other things to coach on other than 
um, just like your techniques, if you, if you like on the bikes. So, um, some of the races that I work with, like when we're in season, we do different stuff. So we may do some checking and do some timing or something like that. And, and more just focus on some, some basic stuff that they can then take into their next race rather Mm -hmm. than rewriting their whole position on the bike or whatever. Uh, But yeah, definitely that kind of like once the season's done, sometimes even straight after the season, depending on, again, the type of person you are, because you'll be so fresh with like what's gone wrong that year, if you like, and what's gone right that year, that going to a coach and having that conversation with them is at that time is is great because you're hot off the press, aren't you? You're frustrated with some things and you're buzzing about other things. Yeah. And then the coach can go, brilliant, right? What, what can we go now uh, work on to help? Uh, stop the things that shouldn't have happened uh happening next year um and the other way around so so yeah i think there's a time and a place for sure with races um in terms of if you just categorized it as the skills coaching yeah all right good stuff and then i mean certainly in the uk i don't know about other other parts of the world but there's a lot of choice now compared to maybe five or ten years ago in coaching um which is a good thing, mm-hmm. but also means there's a lot of choice, which can be can be tricky. Any like advice on how people can go about finding what's right for them? Yeah, so I suppose what a lot of people seem to do is they look for recommendations and reviews uh, online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know there's quite a lot of like on Facebook, people there's often people putting, you know, who should who should I go to and all these sorts of things. But um, so I guess probably the first thing is locality. I mean, we get people that yeah. travel quite a long way, but if if you don't want to travel too far, then locality is one. Uh, then it's trying to figure out, I guess, whether you're going to like fit that company, if you know what I mean, or probably more importantly, fit the person because. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you get on with that person then it's a lot easier uh to learn especially if you're having multiple sessions with them you know you want to build and and develop a relationship with them yeah um so it's kind of like i guess the type of company then the people that work for it as well um and then i suppose it's just thinking about you know their experience so if you're a racer, you want to look at how much racing experience the coaching company has had. So not necessarily yeah. the coach themselves, but the the company themselves in terms of, you know, some of the knowledge around the race processes and race craft and things like that. Um, so, so it's kind of, I suppose, just trying to find your way through that way. Um, and equally, hmm. I was going to say this, but then sometimes this works. So it's then finding somebody. Once you have found somebody, it doesn't matter changing, I don't think. Like that's totally, totally cool. But I would actually yeah. focus, if you are doing multiple sessions, try to do multiple with the same person because yeah. the amount of coaching is still relatively new. Mm-hmm. So unlike, say, golf or skiing, uh, where a lot of the the models are very set in stone and that is what it is mountain bike coaching. There's still, I think there's still, a, we are still learning loads as we go, I would say yeah. as coaches. And um, so there's not one way to do it. So you will notice different ways, different coaches, not only delivering in a different way, but maybe going into things in slightly different um, uh, going to techniques in different ways. So, mm-hmm. um, 
So yeah, I'd say sort of, you know, it's, if you are doing a few, experiment with a few different people, that's fine. But then once you found somebody that fits, um, you know, then try and develop a bit of a bit of an ongoing relationship with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And is it is it worth kind of trying to have a little bit of communication up front, whether it's via email or getting on the phone with people just to see if if you feel like you're you're with the right person rather than just clicking book and turning up on a course, do you think? Or I would definitely say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it's a course, probably less so because, uh-huh. uh, but if you're, if you're looking to do, you know, a few sessions, a few individual one-to-one sessions, yeah, I'd, I'd get in contact with them for sort for sure. I mean, most, yeah. most coaching companies are only of a certain size. So sometimes, you know, trying to get an, a long conversation with them yeah. can be quite hard because of how much time they have and they're probably yeah. stuck out in the woods and things like that. So, um, so it's accepting that maybe sometimes they don't have loads and loads of time. Yeah. Um, uh, especially how busy I think everyone is at the moment, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, having some sort of some sort of conversation for sure, uh, and you'll get a bit of a feel for what they're what they're like. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess last question, but I think it's important for, certainly for some people. Does the coach need to be faster than you? um (laughs) no i laugh because i coach laurie greenland so uh (laughs) obviously i'm faster than him so it's that one doesn't count right yeah (laughs) yeah exactly uh no definitely not no but i i guess the coach uh it's more about whether the coach can draw out of you what is required so if a coach can see um uh if if you know that a coach can see what needs to be seen, that's more important than mm-hmm. a coach being able to do it better, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And actually, let's be honest, and everybody I'm sure knows this as well, but some of the fastest riders in the world aren't necessarily going to make the best coaches. And actually, the, the better the rider, the less they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, which is a good thing uh, when you're at that top, top level um so sometimes they won't be able to relay that and also i notice sometimes ride so an important thing for riders maybe who if you've got a rider that rides at a world cup level an amazing rider they will probably explain what needs to be done in terms of how they do it but if you've got somebody then that they're coaching who's maybe quite new or at least just new to racing you've got to think about the stages of their learning if you know what i mean so they so just doing what that that world cup winning rider does is not what that other rider needs to be doing yeah so basically it's more about having a coach that you kind of get on with i guess than it is about how fast that coach rides someone you trust someone you believe in and someone you you have kind of i guess a comfortable rapport with so that you're going to learn well from them yeah well said yeah someone you trust i love that that's real uh real good trust is the most important thing isn't it from all the way through the bike to the coach and the parts and everything around you you know if you trust it all then you then you're going to go better aren't you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Well, it's been, yeah, it's been a really interesting little experiment, I guess, to, to do some one-on-one coaching for the first time, um, to have someone look at my riding in that level of detail and, and to feedback in that way through video and all the stuff that we've, we've looked at. So yeah, plenty for me to go away and, and practice. Hopefully we've given a bit of insight into to what goes on I'm, I'm sure it is in no way identical to what anyone else would get but 
some of the process, some of the thinking, um, and, and the stuff that we've done is is relevant. Hopefully, I think the, the the technique of laying marks is something that I think most people could probably walk away from this podcast, hop on a bike, and go and go and try at least. Um, and yeah, maybe some some helpful stuff in there as well if people are thinking about doing some coaching and and want to take that side of things a bit further. So yeah, if people are interested in in what you guys are up to where's the best place for them to to check out the pro ride coaching stuff uh yeah so we're on facebook and instagram probably a little bit more active nowadays on instagram potentially but um uh-huh. uh yeah just pro ride mtb um and uh otherwise yeah we've got our website and things like that so you can sort of check out what courses we do and any updates on there um uh, as we go really um yeah otherwise yeah feel free to get in touch it's uh yeah i often get a few questions from people oh what should i do on this and how should i try that and you know it's uh it's good fun uh hearing people's like passion and and kind of want to uh you know improve really yeah definitely cool all right well yeah i'll stick some links in the show notes to the instagram facebook and the website so people can find that there if they want to check it out but yeah all the best i think we should uh at some point we should do a a follow up and see whether I've managed to make some improvements and look at where we go from there. Um, so if people are interested in hearing a bit more about that journey, then I guess let us know and we'll think about doing a bit more. Uh, but yeah, thanks man. Hope the rest of the season goes well, both for you and your racing, uh, for the coaching side of things and also the work that you're doing with Laurie and the Mondraker set up. So yeah, hope it all goes well. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks mate. And uh, great to talk to you. All right, that's it for this episode with Ollie. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. Thanks to Muckoff for supporting this episode of the show. They've just launched their first plastic-free bike cleaner, Punk Powder, and as a downtime listener, you can get 20% off that and the rest of their range by using the code DOWNTIME20 over on muckoff.com during September. Head there now and check out what they have to offer. If you want to own one of the limited edition first issues of Downtime EP at special early bird pricing and ahead of the rest of the world, then head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address now. We're going to print today and we'll be sending early bird deals to everyone who's registered really soon, so it's time to get involved. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, then there's a few things you can do to help out. First off, tell your mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Share the episodes on your social media. It's an awesome way to spread the word and get some buzz going around the episodes too. And if you fancy it and you've got a couple of extra minutes, then a review over on Apple Podcasts goes a long way too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and rise. (laughs) 